Hi everyone, welcome to Type Talks. Today we have a episode on ISFJ and ENFP relationships. And so Carol, would you like to tell us a bit about you? Through the magic of the internet, I've met all these wonderful millennials and I get to do these things, which I dearly love. I'm on the board of Association of Psychological Type, um, which is a professional organization for people who love type. And um, my first career was tech writing and my second career was teaching adults how to play well with others. And it was my dream career. So I still do it. I just don't get paid for it because I'm retired now. <laughs> Excellent. Carol is a part of the board of the ABTI. And it's a really wonderful organization. You guys should check it out in the links below. And Lily? Hi, my name is Lily. I am a college student. And I'm from Texas. And I have many friends who are ISFJs, many lovely friends. And so that's why I'm here. Yeah. Heck yeah. And hey, everyone. I'm Roger. Um, I uh, first started out learning about MBTI uh, quite a few years ago and just been reading books and learning about type theory. It's been very interesting. Um, so much so that I found the uh, Facebook groups that we have now and uh, part of a big coffeehouse kind of group where all types are there and then also an ISFJ uh, Haven group where all the ISFJs can be there together uh, without, kind of, <laughs> without any kind of uh, <laughs> issues and, and stuff like that. So. Um, I also happen to have a lot of ENFP friends, and that's also why I'm here. Everyone on this panel has a PhD level experience with <laughs> other type, so that's amazing. Yeah, and I'll have Roger's Facebook ISFJ group link below, too. Cool. And so, hi, my name is Joyce. I'm a certified MBTI Master Practitioner, and I facilitate the instrument in organizations. I also offer coaching services, and I help people figure out their best fit type. And so for those in the audience members who don't know, the ISFJ personality type is linked with the SJ temperament, which in QZ terms is the guardian, and in Linda terms, it is the stabilizers. And these types are really good at being responsible, dutiful, reliable, and creating a predictable standard. They're good at stabilizing the system. And ENFPs are NFs. And so Kiersey calls this the idealist and Linda the catalyst. And these types are focused on helping people reach their potential. And so, yeah, those are a few little tidbits of information to kick us off. And so I'd love to hear your experience with the other type. Can I start off with something funny? Yeah. So I have a very dear friend, um, ISFJ preferences. We are heart to heart friend. She's a wonderful, warm, supportive person. We've been friends for almost 30 years. We, we met in our thirties and what night on the phone we're talking about when we're going to get together to have a certain kind of talk. And she said, well, I can't do it Wednesday because I always go to the grocery store on Wednesday night. Thank God I did not laugh because I can't even imagine those words coming out of my mouth. I've never ever always done something on Wednesday night. And why I can, I can appreciate, don't get me wrong, I'm not laughing at her, I'm laughing at me. I can appreciate how that structure might be useful. I just can't imagine living a restricted life like that. I just go to the grocery store when I need to. Um, God, and she just said it's serious as a heart attack, you know? Oh, I always do the grocery store on Wednesday, so we can't do it then. And I'm going, those words would just never come out of my mouth. Yeah, when introverted sensing is used as a strong spot, it creates this reliability and dependability. And almost there are certain routines they might have too. And so when people hear the word routine, they may not relate to it. But a routine is really something that you repeat 
And so if you go every Wednesdays to a certain place, that is your Wednesday routine. And so that's pretty interesting, Carol. Uh, can you go next? Um, two of my uh, closest friends that are ENFPs, um, one of them I've known for like already like maybe like 11 years. And uh, like we met in high school and uh, something like about her that she has always like this bundle of energy, just always really happy, almost um, almost kind of like innocent, naive in some ways, like just this positivity um, that always kind of encourages me and enlightens me with a lot of different things. Um, and I really enjoy her presence. It, it kind of gets me a little bit outside of myself a little bit, outside of my thoughts, or I guess as we're <laughs> talking about SI, kind of brings out that SI. I'm out of that SI a little bit and kind of more into the real world and just kind of seeing like what kind of goofiness or whatever kind of thing that they're doing to uh, get me out of that. And uh, yeah, uh, for my other friend, I think he's much more of the goofball. He definitely tries a lot of things and says a lot of things that completely catch me by surprise. And I guess having that uh, like lower uh, function of NE, I'm always very amused by things that completely catch me by surprise, things that I don't necessarily expect. And I think ENFPs are very, very good at being able to come up with that unpredictability that I, that I like to see. It keeps things fresh. Yeah, I would say that my experience with my ISFJ friends, I have um, a three and, and two are just very, very dear heart, heart, heart to heart friends. I'd like Joyce, uh, like Carol said, I thought that was funny. That's exactly the terminology that I use. Or I'm like, my dear heart friend. Um, it sounds funny to say it like that, though, but <laughs> that is what I feel. Anyhow, my whole thing was whenever I first started hanging out with them, it was so interesting because I, I think there was kind of an apprehension at, at the kind of at the rate at which I was, I was moving my activity level, my animation, how animated I was. And so there was kind of like a, a need to absorb or get uh, accustomed or acclimated to that kind of high pacedness for me. But then it was so interesting to see them kind of like, and maybe, maybe meet is not the right, exactly the right word, but begin to, to kind of, to get up there with me, to feel like it was a safe space to explore kind of more of that any for them. And so um, that, that was that's been a lot of my experience. It's kind of like, again, like, as Roger said, kind of getting people out of their, um, out of their heads and, and like, oh, what, what can we do? Or what can we think about? What can we talk about? What can we be silly about? Yeah. It's like a little bit of the ENFP rubs off on the ISFJ a little bit over time. So because of the extroverted feeling the ISFJ has, they might mold themselves a little bit more to the ENFPs, like gain a little bit of the animatedness, even if they're still the chill, like docile ISFJ, like they have that slight ENFP influence from hanging out with an ENFP a lot. So this is so true. So one of my one of one of the lovely ISFJs I I live with and has been my roommate for the last year. And so it, it just it was very funny because um, her parents especially were like, we know that you have been with Lily because your face, your 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 expressions have just been turned up to to a level that we just aren't used to. And they're um, so so that that was kind of the experience where they're like, we we know you've been around Lily. Um, we know that you're kind of your, uh, she's still who she is, but it was just kind of uh, maybe feeling more, uh, I don't know, able to, to kind of amp it up or to be more expressive in that way. Yeah, ENFPs drag out a different side in ISFJs when the ISFJ is able to let down their guard and go with the ENFP. I'd, I'd like to talk about my, um, a, a really an amazing force in my life and my, my Virginia grandmother, Grandmother Lyndon, as I always refer to her, from Virginia and uh, very much, you know, the old fashioned Virginia, Southern Virginia lady. And she had ISFJ preferences and she, you know, helped raise me 
she, my mother worked and grandmother Lyndon worked as a registrar, which means she ran the office in a grammar school. So when I was out of school, grandmother Lyndon was off work. So she, you know, really like half raised me because my mother would just drop, drop me off at grandmother Lyndon's house on summer morning and come back and get me the afternoon. So this woman had a huge impact on my life. And she was, she just was so nurturing and making sure things were there that people would need and you had good healthy things to eat and what, like just going to the grocery store she would teach me things she would teach me about why we were buying this now or we always had my she was ahead of her time for having the fresh fruit currently in season for breakfast that day before anybody else i knew was doing that grandmother linden was doing that and she was she would teach me about we'd be doing something and she'd be teaching me how to do it you know it was very nurturing it's really um she was not critical she was you know loving and supportive and she was very much a guiding force and she was always teaching me about things like family history and history in general. And I will never forget the day as I think I was about six. I was on a hot summer afternoon. I was seated in the den watching Winston Churchill's funeral in black on a black and white TV. Now, y'all probably don't know this, but TV didn't used to be nearly as entertaining as it is today. So I'm watching the BBC production from the 60s of Winston Churchill's funeral. And oh my God, was it boring. And Grandmother Lyndon sat me down in front of the TV and she said, we're watching this. And she pointed at the TV because Winston Churchill saved the free world. And at six, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. But of course, as I got older, I learned exactly what that meant. And he did help save the free world. But, you know, you do things out of respect. I mean, that is one lovely thing she taught me is you respect people who have done things that have served others. So I will, I will never forget watching Winston Churchill's funeral and why we had to watch Winston Churchill's funeral. But she was very good. She was very good about that. It was, a, it was like, it was just a part that she expected herself to do was to be teaching and nurturing and providing and caregiving. And she was, you know, the other, uh, the other grandchildren would come in town. We'd all get taken to the zoo together. There are great pictures of all the Linden cousins because grandmother Linden gathered us up and took us to the zoo. You know, she was, um, I think she was, I think I just got dealt a great hand in terms of a grandmother. ISFJ grandmother was just very cool. Yeah, very nurturing and compassionate indeed with the respect of wanting to preserve the good parts of the past and trying to make sure people remember what's important and to not forget those important things. One of my very good friends, her mom, who is an ISFJ, her mom is an ESFJ. And so to see both of them get together in terms of like brainstorming these incredible social moments, it was it was beautiful. I mean, we, they they would take out all of us as middle school girls. And, I, and it, it was lovely because they would invite, um, I don't know, maybe it, especially within this one school and at this stage in my life there were a lot of cliques and so what was beautiful was this like mother-daughter duo they would get together and they would so like they would they would come up with how to invite just the right I mean all the people from from these little groups and how to bring them in in the best kind of environment together to make them like to have good memories that was the whole thing and they were taking photos all the time I mean all the time to to, to kind of commemorate everything that was happening but especially you're just talking about grocery store shopping but it was just so funny in terms of like especially nourishing this group of of kind of feral young women um taking us to 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 the grocery store and and um 
yeah, no, I, anyhow, sorry, but that, that, that was just it. And, and kind of orchestrating these beautiful social moments where, um, like, uh, yeah, these moments for, for real connection between different, different little groups. Um, that's, that's what I associated from my childhood with um, my ISFJ friend and, and her, especially seeing people who aren't, um, maybe who, who were, who were often, uh, like not included, and especially the ENFP, I so felt for that. And so that was just one of the reasons why, um, I, I, so, I mean, had such an admiration and just a deep uh, love and respect for, for my friend and her mom and, and their kind of, their efforts there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful story, Lily. And so ENFPs are a part of the get things going interaction style in the Navarin system. And what that entails is that they have an inclusive mentality with wanting to include people because to get things going, you you don't want anyone to be left out, especially it's a FI value too. It's like, no, 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 it's a value of mine. I, I don't want to leave anyone out. And so, yeah, Getting people together is a very F.E. strong thing. It's probably was like very orchestrated by the ESFJ too. It's probably strongly orchestrated by the F.E. Dom. But yeah, it's really awesome how F.E. and S.I. work together. I was like talking about this with with my friend about it. Like um, there, there was a time uh, back like in college, um, we whenever we would hang out and whenever we would uh, be in college and walk around, like I remember we would get like into just kind of like fun conversations, just thinking about different things. But something that I realized was that she would talk very loudly and kind of almost maybe obnoxiously or maybe say things a little bit that are maybe not as socially like appropriate. And I would, I would feel like, man, like who must be watching me? Like, Oh my God, this might be like a little bit embarrassing. Like, Oh, I hope nobody heard that or, but like I could hear like the echo like in the campus that we were in, and um, I re- I just remember thinking and feeling like oh man like I I feel embarrassed or like maybe I I just wish she would like calm down or like notice that like maybe her voice is a little bit too loud or like bringing too much attention to herself. Um, but we talked about it like now and just realized that um, obviously we all are different. We all have our unique perspectives and traits, and to be able to see that side of her. Uh, together was actually more of a more of a blessing and a, and a present, a gift, because she's not able to be that open with other people. She's not able to really be her true self around other people. And so to be able to see that side of her and for her to express herself all the time like that was a joy to understand and a joy to learn that she felt that comfortable being around me, um, being her true self, being her true silly self without fear of being judged or without fear of being criticized. And especially for her in her case, because there's, she has a lot of uh, issues like with her family and with other people criticizing her. So if anything, I just felt proud that I was able to provide that space for her to be herself. And obviously now I don't care how loud she is. I don't care like what she does or anything like that, because I'm just happy that my friend is able to just express herself and be herself, regardless of what other people might think of us. Yeah, I find there's definitely like this subsection of ENFPs who are very much themselves. And I I noticed this, especially when one of their values is crossed too, like they have to stick up for it. Like they have to rectify the situation to make sure that there's not an injustice going on or something that doesn't seem right in the FI. So they'll kind of stick up for things. And for like an FE auxiliary type, it can be kind of jarring because it's like, oh, my ENFP friend is sticking up for this thing and it's gonna socially look very interesting to other people and I'm noticing it. But it's also the moral thing to do. And so it's quite an interesting debacle there. <laughs> Actually, Joyce, we we are capable of not doing it. 
but um, I'm interested in hearing what Lily says about this, but it requires real exertion to not stick up for someone else or some the right thing in the situation. Like sometimes it's really not appropriate to do it and I have enough social awareness to reel it in. But just so you know, that impulse to be the ENFP, the champ, you know, the champion for something, um, the champion among the cat. I mean, yeah, that's our nickname in the catalyst is, is champion. That drive is in there and it's real. We can all modify our behavior and be different, different things in different situations to be appropriate. But it takes a lot of energy not to be who you truly are. And sometimes it's appropriate to expend that energy because it's not appropriate in some situations to be as boisterous as someone might want to be. But it really just the awareness. Yeah, it does take energy. But I just want you to know we are capable of not doing it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I so agree. I think if anything, there was, especially as a, as a young person, I'm still a young person, but um, I feel like even if I felt like there was a hint of someone, uh, of someone needing to be stood up for, and of course that, that's the process of maturation is realizing people can stand up for themselves. And I don't always need to, which is, which is difficult, but um, uh, that, that being kind of, again, something I, I've needed to learn and become, or I don't know, be, become able to appreciate over time is like, um, is that maybe maybe the, the force with which I want to come at like, oh, no, like I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to like, oh, let's bring them up, you know, that that is actually um, maybe not called for at the, at the at the time. Or maybe that's actually it's not as dire as I'm, I'm understand. I've understood it to be. Or maybe it's not like, you know, nefarious in any way at all. Um, and anyhow, no. But so, so I agree there, there is a choice there, but it, it has taken some time to, uh, you know, I'm still still learning. But yeah. Yeah, so ENFPs can hold it back. It just requires energy to kind of hold back your natural want to defend people. It's really nice too, because if you don't stand up, who will too? Like with certain situation, it takes a person to really change the world or change the situation. So it's good. People don't really know what value is being crossed in the ENFP sometimes until they say it. And so sometimes you'll like see the change in attitude or demeanor on the front, but you're not sure why it's so important until eventually you connect the dots and you're like, oh, that's why the ENFP is mad at that. But typically FI is a very introverted function. So you don't see what value has been crossed until after a while you see the actions that they're acting on it, but you don't know why or what specific value in particular is being crossed until it's verbalized. And so I'm wondering about the strengths to this kind of dynamic. What are some things that you love about the other half in this duo? I feel like I kind of already said it a little bit, but yeah, just being able to get me outside of myself. Um, the the ne getting myself out of that like out of my uh, head a little bit just helps me a lot like every time that i hang out with uh my enfp friends i know it's going to be a good time i don't think there's ever really been like situations where it's going to be sad if it is sad it won't be for very long we'll find some way to like make it a little bit better and to you know make ourselves happy and everything but um yeah de definitely being able to get myself out of my head for a little bit is something that i greatly appreciate um and yeah just even having as an understand just even as a friend as well i really value how um 
for us, it took us years to get to this level, but being able to express our concerns with one another and express and communicate like how we feel. Um, what you were just saying earlier, Joyce, like it, it reminded me also like when we would have like an argument or maybe I said something that I shouldn't have, it would take her like a little while to process it, but then eventually she'll come back to me after being like a little bit cold and distant and then tell me exactly how, like what happened, how she felt. And um, once I realized what I did or the whatever kind of error mistake I made, then apologizing and coming to a conclusion together and then moving on from there. And I love the beauty in that because there's no resentment. There isn't any grudge. It's legitimately, here's a problem. We're coming together, talking about it. We've said our sorry. We're going to move forward and moving on. Versus where, unfortunately, I know for a lot of other like SJ types, ISFJs, there might be that little bit of grudge. There might be that little bit like of resentment kind of lingering, but not for ENFP. I don't think they've ever like <laughs> brought up something that I've done uh, in the past in any kind of malicious way. There is legitimately, we've fixed this, we're moving forward. Let's continue on with our lives. Let's keep on doing the best that we can. And just really amazing um, of how they're able to do that. That's what I appreciate about ENFPs. They're one of the types least likely to hold on to resentment or grudges on certain people. And that's what contributes to, Roger talked about earlier, I think about the innocence of the ENFP. There's just some sort of innocence to a lot of them. Not all of them, right? But generally, I find that ENFPs, if they care about you and they like you, they actually invest a lot of effort to not hold a grudge against you. If I can echo something Roger said, and I, I appreciate what y'all are saying because you're making me aware of something I wasn't particularly aware of. And I think you're right. I don't hold grudges. And I think it's because I don't want to hold a grudge. I want to experience the oneness. I'm looking at Lily's face here to see if the, if any of this lands with her. But I want to experience the oneness. So I don't want to hold it. Why would I even want to hold a grudge? Oh, my God. There is one thing that echoes something Roger referred to. If in the moment it has hurt me deeply, I go quiet. And you may, you won't hear about it. If I'm upset in the moment, you really won't hear about it then because, you know, it's my introverted function. So I may need to go inside for a while or even go away and come back and we'll talk about it later. And I won't be holding a grudge, but I'll be trying. One of my fears as an ENFP is saying something passionate that hurts somebody else's feelings or there's something that's hurtful and can't be taken back. And it really hurts somebody. And, out, you know, we're pretty passionate, right? It's a pretty passionate pattern here. And I don't want to let my passion in the moment hurt someone. So I'll hold back and try to figure out a way to say it that will say what I need to say, but that won't be offensive or hurtful to the other person. And sometimes that can't happen right in the moment when I've been hurt sometimes. So that's, it's not withholding to hold a grudge, but sometimes I'll hold on to it till I can figure out how to way to say it in a way that preserves the friendship and doesn't hurt the other person's feelings. So thank you all for helping me be aware of that. I absolutely relate in terms of uh, like, I just, I need to retreat in order to be able to process so that I can move forward and like communicate with you in a way that isn't going to be destructive or that isn't going to maybe inaccurately relay, I don't know, like the real core of what I'm feeling, because again, I can be so passionate and I, I true, I very much relate to the, the fear of like, I don't want to to say something that it's like, oh gosh, oh, that was too much. That was like, I actually, maybe I don't actually even, maybe that isn't the root, the, the root of what I'm trying to, to get at um, 
I don't know. No, but I, but I certainly, I, I absolutely relate to that. I would say one of the beautiful things about my friendships with um, uh, my ISFJs is just is a groundedness in, in the details. Like that has been, oh, that is difficult for me. That is not my strong suit. So it has just been, it's beautiful to see this be someone's like, again, their bread and butter, just what is, I mean, their, ah, it's their superpower. It's beautiful. And especially in their way of, of, um, of, of observing and taking in a person, like, especially people that they, that, that they love, like, and, and I've been blessed as being, you know, a close friend to these people, but to experience their, um, how observant and, uh, intentional they can be, uh, especially in knowing me and things like that, knowing my family, um, remembering dates, you know, these things that are just, oh gosh, they're beautiful. I wish I, again, I have a respect for it, but I, I wish I could do it better and consistently. Um, but these are ways that I've been incredibly, incredibly blessed by, um, yeah, uh, my, my ISFJs. Ooh. When the hero SI and ISFJs is able to help the aspirational SI and ENFPs be more consistent. It's lovely. <laughs> And so, yeah, now that we've talked about the strengths, about the dynamic, I'm wondering what are some stretch areas? What were some things you had to learn to work together to become better friends at? Or romantically, if you've had romantic connections. I've never had this as a romantic connection, so I can imagine an introverted stabilizer might have a hard time with all my spontaneity. I might just be a little over the top for that person in the daily life. Um, so I, I don't have that connection, but I, I have found my, uh, I think there's a, a nice balance there. I think they appreciate my liveliness. I feel appreciated that I'm funny. I feel appreciated that I'm livening things up for them. And I'm not like going out of my way to do it. I just kind of notice, you know, that extroverted intuiting leads and makes these connections. And like Robin Williams, we're funny sometimes, you know, just because the anything is funny. Dario Nardi said that whenever there's extroverted intuiting going on in a team meeting, there's always laughter. Laughter just goes with any. So I think I feel appreciated for the liveliness I bring. I think my grandmother enjoyed me as a child. I know, I know my friend uh, Marianne does. I think in the other direction, they're I agree with Lily. It is very helpful to have somebody grounded in introverted sensing. I mean, it's just plain helpful because that's my struggle. That's my Achilles heel. So I actually appreciate I appreciate their groundedness and their attention to details. I do. And and I'll, I'll just say again, the desire to be helpful. Uh, you know, sometimes people being helpful are intrusive, but I don't think my grandmother. Yeah, Roger's not. But I don't think my grandmother ever was. And I truly don't think my my ISFJ close friend is ever intrusive with her helpfulness. And that's you know, that's a skill, guys, because some people are intrusive with being helpful. And she's helpful without being intrusive. And I feel appreciated. Like I, I can have what I call the real conversation with her. I have no patience for just chit chat and talking about the weather. Okay. Do not drag me into any of that. That is, I'd rather be at home reading a, a good book with my cat than having meaningless conversations. 
but some uh, close friends that you get in the inner circle because you're willing to have the real conversation. And this friend of mine with ISFJ preferences, I, I call it the, the, the friend I don't have to edit myself with because I get to be like Roger Sarah. I get to be who I am with her. And I so value that you would, might look at us and think how different we were, but I get to be who I am with her and I appreciate who she is. Um, so, but I can't say anything about the romantic thing. Somebody else is going to have to add how this works out with romantic connections. Yeah, the, the person that you don't have to edit yourself with. That's the kind of connection we're all kind of looking for. A person who we can just be ourselves with, unfiltered, uncensored. You can be your authentic self. I do find ISFJs to not be intrusive. Like, they'll help you, but they're not overly imposing of it which is great because like the effie is apparent and it's not overbearing on the front end because it takes more of a relaxed role there and so anyone else want to share um i guess yeah just going back to what i was saying um something that just really helped for our uh communication like with my uh enfb friends has just been kind of like what was being said earlier, like being having that directness, like that real talk kind of moment, like when we can just be ourselves and just kind of share with each other, like what's been going on or any concerns that we have. Um, I think for one of my friends, it kind of, actually for both of them, I think it started with something with me, like maybe they said something a little out of line or something that I didn't uh, agree with or align with, with. And I just uh, opened a dialogue with them and I just talked with them like, hey, you know, I you know, the other day, like when you said this or the other day when this happened um, and just being direct and honest and just sharing with how I felt like, hey, you know, I just felt I just felt this way. And, you know, I um, I just wanted to let you know about that. I just wanted to tell you, like, this is how I felt. This is what I took from it. Um, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I just wanted to share with you that this is how I felt. And with both of my friends, I mean, they listened, they took it to heart and they put it upon themselves to change or to keep that in mind or, or for whatever thing that they might have said or done. Um, and that's, it has never been an issue after that. Like whatever kind of issue that happened, it hasn't come up again. Um, so, I mean, I think for the relationship in that can, in that case, uh, just being direct and honest, being open, it, uh, exploring what you felt, telling them exactly what you felt. Um, I feel that if you leave things a little bit too ambiguous and vague, I mean, there's so many possibilities and it's just going to end up confusing the other person instead of being helpful. So if you have the capacity to be direct and honest, telling them exactly what happened and how you felt and not imposing your own thoughts, moral values into, you know, whatever happened, then that's when you're going to really see that change. Um, and definitely a deepening in the friendship and relationship. Um, that's definitely something that's happened for both of my friends, being able to have that real talk kind of conversation and moving forward. And the lovely part about it is that since I did that with them, they also do the same thing with me too. So like if I said something that was wrong, then or like that they didn't like, they'll also come up to me, have an honest discussion about it, and we come with a conclusion and move forward from there. Um, and interestingly, uh, same as you, Carol, um, for me personally, I've never uh, been with an ENFP romantically, so I also don't know how that might be like. <laughs> Lily, you're the only hope we've got here for that. Roger and I cannot bring that to the table. And I hate to disappoint, but I have no experience in that arena. Only in friendship, folks. Only in friendship. Um, and I was just going to say that I agree a lot with what Roger was saying. Um, 
I think maybe where more friction presented itself within my relationships was whenever I feel like there was there were things that were being felt by the ISFJ that were not being expressed. And so it was just it was kind of like, oh, gosh, like I feel like something's here. Like, why are why are we kind of slurping by it and not not talking about it? And so I think it was um, uh, or I, I noticed this and, and I and this is kind of a, a major element of our conversations was kind of maybe not feel them maybe not feeling like they had the right to feel like what they were feeling because it was kind of not uh, a super happy, I mean, exciting, you know, sparkly emotion. And so, uh, I don't know, kind of bringing in my FI and being like, OK, it's OK. That's that's what you feel. So let's just let's talk about it from that perspective. Let's not assign it, you know, as being something that's horrible or like scary. Um and so, and then, but then that kind of opening up and the ability for us to have, um, yeah, a, a more free dialogue about stuff that was that was going on that was kind of subterranean at, at that point in time, um, so that we could get to that real talk, so that we could then, uh, yeah, you know, have have more vital communication. So that was kind of something that was a little bit difficult. And I would say, I think right now we're talking about like maybe right more where more friction, right, Joyce? Okay. And so just one thing that I think has been interesting is obviously as um as an any dom like again ideas are kind of like they're they're all over the place and they're they're easy to come up with. They're all over the place. And so while that can sometimes be overwhelming like what what has kind of been interesting is seeing um I don't know, like especially with my my one ISFJ friend like the parsing ability with that and so uh, like I don't know, kind of saying like no to certain things and that was kind of difficult for me where it's like of course, I have a hundred or more ideas I can I can come up with, but it's like, why are we saying no to this? Why are we cutting it off from the very beginning? So that was kind of another, um, I don't know, difficulty that presented itself within uh, that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, well said, Lily. And so Roger mentioned something really interesting about having real talks. And that's very true. Communication is key to any type of relationship. And I find within the ISFJ and ENFP dynamic, it's more likely for the ISFJ to hold a grudge or resentment towards the other party. And I find sometimes ISFJs don't say what's bothering them. So if they are bothered by something the ENFP did, they might just hold on to it resentfully and feel like, how does the ENFP not know that what they did was SI inappropriate or FE inappropriate? Or there could be other reasons why too. Like I noticed, so not all ISFGs, right? I'm not trying to characterize everyone as one trait, but I, I do see a trend with ISFJs. When they're annoyed by something, sometimes like they just kind of like, FE let it slide, but it doesn't fully slide because it gets stored in your SI memory. So it's like, still remember that event. I'm going to let it FE slide, but I'm still kind of irritated at that event because the SI never forgets. <laughs> and so I think one of the ways to get through that is to have that open communication that Roger talked about so that you can solve everything and put it on the table. And the reason why I find that happening in the ISFJ and ENFP dynamic too is that some ENFPs can have very strong personalities. And so sometimes, <laughs> and so sometimes ISFJs are like, you just did that strong personality thing. Because <laughs> sometimes FE users will tone down their personality to make sure everyone's getting along or everyone feels good. And so those two qualities of FE and FI, like they clash at times. But yeah, it's it's cute how the dynamic between ISFJs and ENFPs has a lot of warm fuzzies and compassion and nurturance and emotional transparency and communication. It's really beautiful. 
I just want to support something Lily said. I get it that, you know, especially in an excited state, I can go ping, 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 and it and it can be disorienting to other people. Um, uh, chart the course and, and behind the scenes, especially introvert types in particular, but even even someone with uh, like ESTJ or ENTJ, just somebody who's got a more structured approach, it can be disorienting. And so, trust me, Joyce, I do know I have to reel this energy in at times. Now, when I'm teaching or speaking publicly, I don't have to reel it in. I do have to make sure it's structured, okay? So I pull my extroverted thinking out and get it structured so I don't blow their minds with all over the place. But um, I, I do get it that it can be dis disorienting. So that is one thing I think I would reel in. And I, 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 I'm pretty good at CNFP at looking at somebody's face and seeing when I'm about to blow their circuits. So I can, um, I'll watch the face. I'll go, okay, maybe, maybe not one more new idea just now. Maybe hold that back. And last thing, I worked at a software company and I'd go to, I was in, in technical writing my first career and I'd go to have to interview, you know, a software developer and, and drag information out of them. Okay. Because they're not talkers. And I'd get in their office one-on-one -on -one and I would realize, and this applies to ENFP and ISFJ, and I'd realize I'm like, you know, like Lily was talking, ta-da, you know, I can just be like this. You know, I can be like a marching band, right? I was in the marching band, okay? Let's be clear about that. I can be a marching band. But I would get in the office and I would feel, I would feel it, you know, and I would do this. Well, not physically, but, you know, I'd lower the energy and I'd speak more slowly and I'd speak more calmly and I'd speak more softly and I would be more linear so that I wouldn't blow the other person's circuit sitting across the table from me. And in coaching, too, that applies to one-on-one. Um, -on -one, I need to reel in some of this ENFP energy, which can just be, you know, da-da-da-da when I'm doing something presenting. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking I don't really have much to help with the stress because I have just had such supportive relationships with my friend and my grandmother that I can't pull up much stress here, but I'm just thinking of the ways I imagine I could drive them nuts if I didn't reel it in every now and then. It's quite interesting. The popcorning that Carol and Lily are talking about, just the idea generation is very awesome. And I think sometimes SJs look at ENFPs and they're like, how did you come up with that? <laughs> How did you get from that to that? <laughs> this is just a little bit off of what Carol said. I so agree in terms of like, I don't know, especially because I, I can be so, you know, like having to be like, bring, bring it back in, bring it back in. Let, yeah, I don't know, get, gather the troops a little bit because um, we're all over the place. Um, or I don't know, especially being or very sensitive to when I feel like, oh, I'm about to, again, I don't know. To make this person a little bit dizzy with with all the things that's going on, or I'm about to make it kind of uncomfortable. Anyhow, that that being said, this is about um, a thought about Joyce talking about the kind of Effie letting something slide, but then retaining something. And so that was something that was so interesting with my ISFJ friends, where it was like, oh, okay, so because I know that I'm in her inner circle, it was like I'm getting to hear these kind of un more unedited 
thoughts on on things that have happened. So it's like, ah, you know, it's like, I didn't know you felt that way, you know? And so it's so fascinating because um, I know at times it was like, oh, that was kind of, it, it would kind of shock me where it's like, I didn't know that there was kind of this maybe slightly more, um, maybe slightly more biting kind of re- response or, or I, like analysis of something, especially I think if we get into like, I know the playing with it with the TI kind of stuff, like a logical like breakdown of something that happened. Um, but it was so fascinating because it, it, it was like um, it kind of felt like ooh, the, the more time, the more that time passes, like I, this, this person gets to continue to unfold. And so I get to, Oh, hello, Carol. Sorry. Sorry. There's a second. She was so close. Sorry. Anyhow. Um, what is it? And so it, it was, an, it, it was kind of at first it was, it was interesting because I was like, Ooh, is there, is she being authentic in these moments? Because after the moment has passed, like I'm hearing this totally new perspective from her about how she she was internalizing something. Um, but then realizing, again, it was like a, a beautiful thing because I love that I was being privy to this special, um, like very private part. Again, that she does not air this kind of like more sharp kind of uh take or analysis of things with everyone and so it actually being like an opportunity to hear about like what her internal framework looks like and to learn about that from her so offering her that safe space to to kind of to share that with me instead of taking it immediately as like this immature response of being like inauthentic you know which is just silly um you know or yeah yeah so that was kind of uh, that was a thing and so what we learned from this panel, everyone, is that ENFPs are sound effects boards, like, like, like to make sounds like whoosh or whoa, or like, <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I think it's like about, it's a little bit of the energy, the pent up energy. It's very interesting. The NE's like, this sound encapsulates this, this concept. So I'm going to make these sounds to, to increase the point. And I'm like, interesting. Never a dull day with an ENFP. <laughs> Joyce, why in the world would we want a dull day ever? I'm like trying to think like, what would a dull day entail? Would that actually be, if you have a dull day, maybe you could be productive, I guess. Maybe you won't have distractions. You'll be bored enough to actually do the things you need to do. I don't know. <laughs> I got to do psychological type with people for a living, Roger. Trust me, it was not dull. And it, it, I, no. it, was, it was getting things done. But, but, you know, actually, Roger, that's a very good point. ENFPs can be so lively. It looks like to other types, how could they possibly be getting anything done? They're obviously just having fun. And I think it, you know, it has a face value problem, right? You know, the instruments have a face value. We can have a face value problem that when we're being so lively. Well, sometimes our liveliness is how we're getting the people thing done. So, um. Thank you for, for bringing that up, Roger. That got me thinking. Dang, that's such a good point. Yeah, I, I like what you said. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I guess kind of also going back, I it's fascinating uh, about like that whole Effie forgets, but not really kind of a thing. Um, that, that was something that I realized when I was younger uh, that I, that I did that with my ENFP friends, but they would get <laughs> very irritated at that because the things that I would say uh, where like maybe mistakes or things that they've said and done. But I think my thought process back then was more of like, I just hope you remember this because I don't want this happening to you again. I think was like the mentality that I had, like to just keep in mind. But what I didn't realize was that like, they don't need reminding of what they've done. That's not, and 
quite frankly, wasn't my responsibility to do such a thing. Um, and if anything, it was just more detrimental because every time I kept bringing something up, something that they don't want to remember, it just either ruined their day, made them overthink, or as Kara would say, got them very quiet and really pensive in that moment and completely sucking out, sucking back all that energy from the room. And so um, through experience learning that, yeah, I mean, definitely uh, not the best thing to do, but I thankfully I've learned from that and had good conversations and talked about it and it's not a big deal for me. Um, but I guess to your question, Joyce, um, for anybody who has this kind of interaction, I mean, I think it, it all really depends on how you see your relationship with the other person, right? I mean, if you're, if you are seeking a much deeper kind of connection, then definitely having this kind of real talk, um, definitely having that kind of uh, conversation and just kind of letting the other person know like how you really feel about something is just a way to deepen that uh, relationship. But um, maybe, and kind of like to what everyone's saying, like maybe for some ISFJs that, uh, infinite um, amount of NE might be a little bit too much. So then maybe their quality of relationship that they have with that ENFP might just be enough just where it's at and that's fine. But for those that want to deepen that relationship, deepen that connection with them, definitely having that authentic conversation with one another or just kind of even for ISFJs, giving that little bits of yourself, what Lily was saying, like being able to kind of give little parts of you and seeing where they go with that. Are they going to judge me for this? Are they going to say something about this? Are they going to put their own opinion onto what I just said, right? Being aware of those kind of things. But I mean, I think from my own experience, ENFPs are not like that. For us ISFJs, maybe we think that mentality because that's what we expect and that's what we've seen from others. But for the ENFPs, I don't think I've ever been judged um, for like things that I've done, always been met with uh, being understood um, for whatever kind of situation that I present. So for anyone out there looking to deepen that re uh, relationship, for sure, having that authentic uh, talk and giving little bits and pieces of yourself to see where that relationship goes afterwards. Yeah, well said, Roger. The point that you made about how bringing up the past causes weird feelings. I find that also applies for ESFPs too. With ESFPs, some of them, well, of course, not generalizing everyone. I noticed that when you bring up the past in a negative sense to them, they kind of are like, well, no, 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 no. The past is the past. You know, now is now. And they just kind of smooth things over. And they're like, I don't want to think about the past. And so I find that that's also an SJ versus SP kind of conflict too, where the SJ will remind the SP of the past and the SP is like, I don't want to think about it. What's done is done. There's no relevant use to thinking about the past. So why are we thinking about it? And so I find that that's an interesting SI DOM versus SE DOM difference as well. It can apply for ENFPs as well, but it also has pertinence there too. Another thing about ENFPs that might apply for the ENFP and ISFJ dynamic is that I noticed ENFPs, they're like 50-50 with following what other people say or suggest. Let's give a grounded example. I used to have an ENFP ex-best friend. Let's say like there are red flags in a certain situation, but she doesn't feel like it's fair for people to treat a certain person a certain way. And so she's like, well, people are telling me to not hang out with this guy, but why should I not hang out with this guy? Is everyone just being discriminatory towards him or like leaving him out like why so sometimes like I feel like ENFPs need to know why for them to fully internalize rules or warnings or red flags it's like they need to fully know the reasoning behind something before they like will accept a command or something 
especially when it comes to respecting someone else's um, potential as a human being. If everyone else is not giving someone a chance, they'll, they'll want to be that person to give that person a chance. And so what can happen is sometimes like, at least this is with the INFJ ENFP dynamic, that the NI DOM or even the SI DOM can see something, a red flag coming up ahead. And like they could tell the ENFP and the ENFP totally doesn't listen and they do the situation anyways. And then the ISFJ or INFJ is like, hmm, I expected that to happen. <laughs> and so that there, there can be relational tension there, but no one's wrong. It's just difference of a observation. Yeah, Carol. I actually learned a very hard lesson in my thirties around this. And I'll tell you what was going on in my ENFP wired brain. It was, I can't not date this person because of this mistake they made before, because that would be being judgmental. And that's not fair to be judgmental. By the way, this was not someone who'd been to jail, okay? I'm not talking about a huge thing. This is somebody who'd done something stupid with money, okay? Just really done something in his youth, young and stupid with money. And it was actually an INFJ preference therapist who taught me this. And she said, Carol, there's a difference between being judgmental and being discerning. She said, there were all sorts of reasons you shouldn't have gone out with that fellow. <laughs> she said, they were just, and you, Joyce, if you'd been my friend then, you would have been trying to tell me all those red flags. But she said, there's a difference between being judgmental and being discerning. And I'm a grouper, not a splitter. So I, that was, guys, that was like a huge lesson for this lifetime. This wonderful woman taught me there. It's not being judgmental to see that there's a difficult, there's a situation that you probably don't want the messiness that person would bring into your life. It's probably not helpful to you to let the person with that messiness going on into your life. It would be better to let someone else learn a lesson with that person than you, if you can already see the messiness. So that was a huge learning for me. So that was the block, Joyce. We're, we're afraid of being judgmental because that's not fair to other people. You have to give people a fair chance. And it was a huge thing for me to learn, but it's okay to be discriminating and make a wise choice for yourself. So thank you, Joyce. I hadn't thought about that in years, but that was a, and I, I wonder, Lily, if you've run into that, but that was a huge learning for me that it was okay to be discriminating and it wasn't judgmental. Yeah, no, or the, especially when you, you spoke about it, it, it being just wisdom instead of um, oh, meanness, like, and, and that being something that, again, just in needing to, to, to really tap into that or the reality of that. And especially because, um, I don't know, it, it just, uh, yeah, that, that it isn't meanness, but that it, it actually, in seeing someone, I don't know, as they really are and not in like, I don't know, according to what my own ethical, I don't know, things I've kind of tried to do where I'm like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm just going to pretend I don't see that because that, to, to see that would be kind of maybe I'd be making too many assumptions or I, I don't, I don't, this is kind of, it's, I find it's kind of difficult to articulate this, but um, in seeing kind of the whole picture um, and, and realizing, oh, even in seeing the whole picture, even though I'm not saying you're a horrible person, you, there's no potential for you to grow or become a, an amazing person, I don't need you to I don't need to link myself specifically in an emotionally vital way to you because um, that just, I mean, I just, I, I don't need that. And again, that isn't to say like to be able to, to, to differentiate between like that and then 
like that doesn't mean that I'm saying that there's no no hope for this person. You know, that was a that is that's been an ongoing thing where it's like, no, there's that's just that's just wisdom. It's just wisdom, you know. We're trying to learn wisdom. Yeah. There is this really sweet part of the ENFP where they're not going to hold your past actions against you because that's unfair to you. And so they're trying to see the core of you. And it's like, well, you're not your past actions. You can change. There's always NE possibilities for you to change. So why would I hold anything against you? Because you're evolving. And so it's kind of like because you see the potential in someone, you don't want to just treat them as their worst self. That's against the catalyst core. And, and so not a lot of people can do that. A lot of people judge other people based on the past information they know about that person. And so I could see a situation where someone looks at an ENFP and they kind of say to themselves, why is this person not being discerning? They're just jumping in before calibrating or calculating or judging the situation. Whereas it's really out of the spirit of fairness. It's like giving people a second chance. It's like a value is giving people a second chance. I know an ENFP who would even give Hitler a second chance. She's like, you know, Hitler could be a good person if his life was a different way. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, we need to get her to a good therapist. Because <laughs> he's a failed art student. If he passed his art exams, things would have been way different. Sometimes like there's an idealistic belief that with the right nurturance or with the right love, people can change. And I'm sometimes like, ENFPs, you have to look at the red flags. <laughs> like, like possibly you could change the guy, but is it worth it? Is it worth, worth the risk? Or is it worth the being intertwined with the life of this guy? <laughs> My mother has an expression for this. And she said to me a thousand times, Carol, you cut people too much slack. You always cut people too much slack. So let me say, well, yeah, they shouldn't have them, but you know, maybe. And then I'm always coming up with a reasonable, compassionate reason why they would have done this stupid thing, right? And so I'm not going to judge them for it. And she's just shake her head. Carol, you cut people too much slack. And y'all are reminding me, yes, thank you for letting me know it's not a personal failing of mine. It's an ENFP thing we have to learn our way through. We do cut people too much slack. Very ENFP thing. And so any last thoughts, everyone, on this topic of ENFP and ISFJ? I wanted to say some quick thing because I, for, I forgot about this and it made me laugh so much. So in, in terms of like the beautiful moments that can happen between ENFP and ISFJ. So I bought this one calendar that is a, it is, um, okay, so it, it's, it's kind of big. And it is uh, a series of photos of goats that have been taken in a professional studio and like very dramatic lighting. It's the strangest thing, but it is married every single month, right? It pre presents a new goat, um, but then accompanied with the, the, the crazy photo of the goat, which is like, you know, posing in some insane way, um, it is a philosophical quote. And so it's just, it's beautiful and absurd and it just brings me so much joy. And so I would do this, I started this one thing in my dorm where I would, um, I, every goat is given a name. And so I would say, we're going to guess the goat name and how many letters you get that are within the goat's true name, you know, you get to have the little queen. So I would make this, like, I would start dancing, like bringing, like bringing out the goat uh, calendar every month and things like this. And so what's so sweet is that because I'm I'm abroad right now, it's like 2 13 in the morning over here. I I gave my my uh, goat calendar, my beloved goat calendar, full, yeah, to my ISFJ friend. And um I for, had forgotten about this, but she she FaceTimes me 
to like flip the page and and she is like taken on the tradition and reminds me of of this isn't it so awesome so recently i just got this text she's like we need to do the goat calendar and so i was like okay we need to do the goat calendar and so um uh, anyhow it was just it's just beautiful like any that that was one of the something that made me very joyful she was reminding me and keeping me on track about that so that we could kind of institute this little um or keep this little uh traditional life <laughs> yes that's hilarious yeah you brought up the idea and the sj's like okay you gotta follow through with this you if you bought a goat calendar you gotta use this goat calendar <laughs> this just rem this is remind me of something i appreciate about uh sj friends and i find that my get things going energy finds behind the scenes energy very soothing like ISFJ, and I also have a bunch of INTPs in my life. And they're both behind the scenes in Baron's interaction style system. And I think the intensity of my energy loves the calmness of their behind the scenes. I think it's a beautiful balance. And I think my system feels that balance. I think I feel, that's why I bring INTPs and ISFJs into my life unconsciously is I love there's kind of like this calmness that emanates from their chest and my chest emanates ta-da some marching band um and I think we're a great balance in that way but I realize I love that gentle calm energy they bring to the table Roger brings that energy to the table I can tell <laughs> yeah it is quite the beautiful energy for anyone who's new to Linda Barron's interaction styles behind the scenes and get things going, I will link it below. I'm thankful for my friendship with uh, ENFP and the ENFPs that I've met. Um, always a very interesting time. Always very, very cool to learn and to like get to know each other and everything. And um, I think even, I, I don't know, I, I guess I don't understand it too fully well, but yeah, there's even that bit of loyalty as well when an ENFP knows that somebody's a good judge of character and a good person um I was amazed at, at the loyalty of it and that feelings don't necessarily have to be reciprocated um because I know that for me and <laughs> maybe the, the being completely stubborn person that I am um it took me a while to really value like uh the relationship that I had with ENFP um, and not even just with ENFP but just with other people in general and the ENFPs in my life have always been loyal, have always been there. And yeah, it's a friendship that I don't regret at all. And I'm happy and thankful that I've been able to develop it to what it is now. So if there's other people out there who have that opportunity to deepen that kind of relationship, I at least I would highly recommend. It seems like the ISFJ and ENFP bond is quite stellar. There's this level of the ISFJ grounding the ENFP and being a safe place for the ENFP and being a dependable place that actually makes the ENFP follow through with some of the ENFP's plans instead of just going like, ooh, next shiny idea. It provides some level of follow through like with the GOAT calendar that Lily was talking about. <laughs> and so thank you everyone for coming out and sharing your experience on this lovely dynamic. And so, Carol, thanks for taking care of the Association of Psychological Type and keeping Isabel Briggs-Meyer's legacy ongoing through your dedication and hard work. Your cause 
is personality type because it was a lifesaver to you. It, it literally changed your life to learn about type. And so you give back with your full heart to the Psychological Type Association. So we're really thankful that we have your full FI investment into such a great cause. And I'll have the APTI linked below too. They're looking for more millennials to join the organization. Feel free to support them too, because Carol does good work. She brings really good Tada energy. So if you want to see that, <laughs> you can also check out the links below too. And Roger, thank you for bringing yourself to this panel. You have a calming energy, like what Carol said, and a very piercing analytical look. And so like when you say things, you actually are able to like really dissect it. You're able to bring about the nuanced logic behind it with that sharp TI you have. You have really well-developed TI, so I applaud you for that. Your child function is like a child um, that's very muscular and very like well-developed. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you really worked that. And so, yeah, thanks for being a great human being and representing ISFJs and taking care of the ISFJ Haven group. Consistency is a beautiful quality of the ISFJ. And Roger has consistency. And Lily... It's your first time on Type Talks. Congrats. <laughs> You're such a beam of charisma, Lily. And I know that word sounds weird to some people, like people might associate the word charisma to something slimy. But I kind of see charisma as this ability to charm people or draw people in effortlessly, just through being just through that presentation, there's just something very magnetic or something that people are like flies to honey with, like you have a really big charm to you and it's just like a natural charm certain people have a kind of energy that is contagious and i find enfps like what carol said they have this kind of marching band energy and it's very livening it makes things entertaining fun and they also bring these ideas that no one's ever thought about too and so people are like wow i never thought about things that way it's not only just a livening presence but it's also mental stimulation too and so i appreciate that about enfps and the sweet quality of giving people second chances and third chances and fourth chances it kind of shows that ENFPs are very open-minded. They're willing to see you beyond your blemishes or your, the things that other people may judge you for. And so thanks everyone for coming out today. It was a pleasure to learn about your experiences being friends with other ISFJs or ENFPs. And it seems like this is a common friend pairing too. The stabilizing presence of the ISFJ and the spontaneous and the newness quality of the ENFP that brings new ideas and drags the ISFJ out of their routine or out of their box. It's a good yin-yang dynamic there. And so thanks everyone for watching. I'll see you all in the next episode. Take care. I will hear your sorrow.